This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. I asked Eric over the weekend, Eric, I'm getting a little embarrassed with the compliments I've been getting in my open. And I did say it was my fault because I said, would it be good to get some of these people that uh, say some things on the show that are positive? Uh, But I didn't think they were going to be like so self-aggrandizing and it got got me feeling kind of awkward. So I go, Eric. Oh, no, you liked it. You liked it a lot. Excuse me, I haven't introduced you yet. And then I go, I say, can you weave in some insults? Eric, you took no time. It took him nine seconds. I got two right away. Carl Rove is here in studio. Carl, literally, um, I could have taken off today and done the radio from Long Island. And when I heard Carl Rove was going to be in studio, because I'm, I'm not on the Queen coverage, uh, so I was off from TV. I literally came in for you today and Michael Waltz. I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered, but but I could have come to – I'm going to be on Long Island later today. Are you really? Where are you going? To Shinnecock. Oh, you're playing golf? No, I'm not allowed to play golf. I'm such a terrible golfer. I'm not allowed on any golf course in the United States or any country with which we have a bilateral and multilateral defense agreement, according to the former president, <laughs> who, who decreed thus after playing right. golf with me. He knows how, how terrible I he, am, too. Yeah, does he? Yeah. Does he? he doesn't speak ill of you. Really? Yeah. I had a, a friend of mine saw him on a golf course and said, um, a friend of my family, and said, hey, Brian Kilmeade uh, wants to know what kind of golf you are. And he said something very funny and disparaging <laughs> because I am terrible uh, because I just don't golf enough. I just don't have the time. Uh, but um, and I don't I'm not natural. If I was natural, maybe I'd find the time. Um, but don't you like Long Island compared to every place you've been? Do you do you do you find you like it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... Especially the Suffolk County where you're going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I actually many, many years ago came to my first visit to uh, to Long Island was with uh, 41 when he was thinking about running for president. And back then there was a big Republican machine in Nassau County, and we met the famed leader of the Nassau County Republicans, which was quite a trip. I don't really know who that was. Yeah, I would, his name will come to It'll me. It'll come minute. to Hey, Pete, if you could look that up, because he was there, the Nassau County executive forever. Now yeah. it's Bruce Blakeman. Yeah. And they reemerged. It's yeah. reemerged as, yeah. as Isn't uh, that fun? Bruce yeah, oh, Blakeman. He's a good guy. Yeah, well, I know his brother well. He was my colleague in the Bush administration. I met Bruce through his brother Brad. Uh, and Brad, by the way, was for some reason, uh, Brad and I hit it off, and he was the first one to bring my family through the White House. And he said, whatever you do, if you see Carl Rove, uh, don't say hello because everyone's <laughs> afraid of him here. And I didn't get a chance to meet you until the Christmas party. Uh, the first Christmas party you guys had, I saw you there, and I, I'm, I'm sure you don't remember. It was the room we had the Christmas tree in. I forgot. Yeah. Was it the green room? Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever. The green room. Yeah, yeah, and I said hello to you, and you seemed very nice. And it turns out you are. 
Oh, well, <laughs> shh, don't tell people that. I've worked hard to get the hard-ass reputation. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we have. We're done with the primaries. We're ready to go. They, uh, if the statisticians say there's a 70% chance, between 60 and 70% chance, that the Democrats keep the Senate. Are you a believer in that stat? No, I, 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 it's always been mystified me how you know I, I love them. There's a 69 percent chance the Democrats will. Like where keep that come? Yeah, from? how did that come? Five thirty-eight put it out. Yeah, I know, but but I mean, where does that come from? No, I think with the, the Senate is very much up in the air. The Republicans have got an uphill climb, but but I feel you know reasonably good about their ability to end up 51-49 or maybe 52-48 on a good day. There are a couple of key races that are going to decide it. One of them is going to be Pennsylvania. And then uh, another one is going to be uh, Georgia and, and Nevada. And if we keep Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Florida, and uh, pick up uh, either New pick up either Nevada or uh, or uh, Georgia or both, we're at fifty one forty nine or fifty two forty eight. But it's it's going to be tough. No, no ifs ands or buts. It's about because it. Roe v Wade. Uh, you know, no, no, it's it's first of all we're running. Think about this: we're running. No Democrat senator. Or Senate, uh, no Democratic senator uh, is up in a state that, that Donald Trump won. But Ron Johnson in Wisconsin and uh, uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, they're up in states that were won by Joe Biden. Same with Herschel Walker. Same with Blake Masters in Arizona and, and Georgia and Arizona, respectively. So, uh, you know, it's just we're in a tribal moment and the tribes are strong in their allegiances. And so it's going to be an unappeal climb. On the other hand, we got – uh, 8.3% inflation, and we got uh, an, an, a president whose approval rating is 42%. Uh, he commented on that last night, Joe Biden did, on the inflation. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that here he is talking about the economy. Cut 19. Your grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. You're, maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's been, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that, but guess what? We are. We're in a position where, for the last several months, it hasn't spiked. It has just barely. It's been basically even. Do you feel better about you? I, I feel better. You know, when I go to the grocery store and pay about, you know, 16% more for milk than I did a year ago, and when I go and pay, you know, about 12% more for uh, for uh, meat or poultry, and when I pay about 10% more for uh, vegetables or fruit, I feel I feel good that it's only that much and not worse. Yeah. I mean, look, this is – this. the administration has oversold and underdelivered. You know, they oversold. Oh, we got the Inflation Reduction Act, which no economist who isn't on the White House payroll says will reduce inflation. In fact, it will add to it. And then think about this. What is inflation? Inflation is too much money, too much demand facing too, uh, chasing too few goods. And what do they do? They say, we're going to give a, uh, a break to uh, any student who has a student loan who makes less than $125,000 a year or uh, AGI for an individual or $250,000 for a couple because, because well, we need more young, young people to turn out and vote. And that's a tr- up to a trillion dollars in additional demand. I mean, this, you know, we had the $1.9 trillion 
uh, American Rescue Plan. We had the infrastructure bill, which seven hundred fifty was our seven hundred fifty billion. That was the the, the every five year renewal of the of the uh, of the interstate bill. Uh, paid for by the gas tax so that was paid for but then we got all this other stuff the inflation reduction act 483 billion dollars i mean all they keep doing is making the problem worse the number one thing to stop uh, to, 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 to 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 is to stop the spending uh, you know the number two thing is for the federal reserve to do what it's doing to to slow down or reverse its its quantitative easing program. I thought they stopped it. Yeah, they've stopped it, and that was a smart thing to do. And now we're going to have to go through raising interest rates so that interest rates reflect the true value of money. And the value of money is being determined by inflation. One of your great assets is you don't get involved. You always try to think to yourself, how do families feel rather than what are the big picture parties? Right. And what people don't appreciate, they come up to me often. I I bother people. I always ask them what's going on, where they worked, where they were waiters or owners. Um, and they tell me the utility bills. Yeah, the utility bills are up fifty percent, and now we yeah. head into winter. Yeah. So when you, they just don't understand it. It just just doubled. Yeah, and they go, "What is going on? Like, there's no one to talk to. Nobody's talking about right. it." Right. And when you say groceries, it's an average of thirteen point five percent, and gas did drop uh, twenty six cents over oh, the last let's, month. Let, let's be. I loved it. The president the other day said, "We're down a dollar thirty. Uh, average price of gas down a dollar thirty per gallon. Well, it's up a buck thirty one from when it where it was when he was sworn into office, and that's according to the Energy Information Agency of the U.S. federal government. Yeah, and, and just on this because I just got finished with this Wall Street Journal story. Until your editorial's out, I just try to fill my time. Um, and just about electric cars, and they said that you know there's a big demand now for electric cars. Good job, American people want to help out. Let's do it. Bottom line is we nobody can make them. Because we can't make them fast enough. We don't have the battery technology. We don't have the elements to do it, and we don't have the chips. So if you have a chip shortage, evidently, I'm not mechanical, but they say you need chips, you need cobalt, and all this rare earth. We don't have any of it. Yeah. So so Ford, GM, they could have the best intent. They're making like 26 a month. And these people who put deposits down on the Ford F-150 Lightning, which I did a story on uh, for Fox Nation, uh, they can't wait anymore. Because they've been waiting over a year, two years. Yeah. How long get away for a new car? Yeah. Well, and also remember, which has been subsidized. Re- yeah, and remember, it's a relatively small percentage of the of the fleet. Most people cannot afford a sixty three thousand oh, yeah. dollars car. But if they're subsidized, they might be temporarily well, affordable. Yeah, but but th- who's think plugging about them in? Think about that. Said subsidized seventy five hundred bucks. Where does that money come from? Us, us. So we're subsidizing us to purchase cars, and uh, all of us got to pay the higher price for those small. Relatively small number of people who are purchasing these EVs. I know we had a hard out at 20. So I want you to hear what you did not watch President Biden because it was delayed uh, because of the football game. My DVR didn't pick it up, so I had to watch it raw with commercials. Why my DVR can't be smart enough to understand that the game's going long and start when 60 minutes? Could you look into that, Carl? Uh, I'll take it as my number one assignment the rest of the day. Make it number two because I know you have a column coming up. Uh, Here's President Biden on his future. Cut 17. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. And on top of his, what his wife said last week, they were thinking about it. What, what do you read into that, Carl? I'm shocked by it. 
Look, uh, first of all, there is a legal reason why he can't say I've made a decision because he would then have to file a federal committee. You have, if you make a decision to run for president, you have a limited number of days before you have to file a federal committee. Otherwise, you're in violation of the federal election law. So I don't begrudge him saying, well, I haven't made a final decision because of that. It's a requirement. But look, let's not kid ourselves. He is not running for president again. He's not. I've been saying it for a year. We're not going to nominate. The Democrats are not going to nominate an 82-year-old who already has difficulty handling the job for another run. They're just not. The two recent polls, Democrats, do you want them to be the candidate? 25% in one poll? Yes. 26% in another one? Yes. But 75 in one and 74 in the other, and there's zero undecided. Democrats have already made up their minds. Now, look, I understand why they feel like they can't be, you know, we, we can't, we'll be a lame duck, blah, 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 blah. But let's not kid ourselves. He is not going to be the candidate of the Democratic Party. If they were to nominate him, he is the one person who could probably be guaranteed to lose. Um, on the other side, it's interesting because, I mean, I watch the Sunday shows every week. Uh, and two weeks ago, they said the Democrats are becoming resigned to the fact that he's going to run again if his approval is in the 40s, like 42 to 45. And they, the NBC has him at 45 percent. They're resigned to the fact that he's their option because think about it. There's no Ron DeSantis. There's no Nikki Haley. I mean, what you have is the Governor Whitmer. You have Governor uh, Newsom. You yeah. have Governor Polis. You have Governor Cooper of North Carolina. You got probably Amy Klobuchar in there. They got Cory Booker. Look, I'm 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 not a Democrat. Can you name one blue chipper? Well, you know, here's the deal. We never really know. And there's going to be a contest on on the Democratic side for it. The question is going to be how long is that contest going to be? Is it going to be uh, truncated because Biden doesn't make an announcement until relatively late in 2023? Or what happens if he makes an announcement in early 2023 or late 2022? But but there's going to be a contest over there. And and we kid ourselves as Republicans and conservatives if we think that they don't have anybody who's capable of mounting a campaign. They, they We just watched them all fail and then had to anoint Biden. Yeah. The only, everyone was failing except Bernie right. Sanders. Right. Right. So that's why I, normally I'd say I'll, I'll be all I'm all ears. Yeah. But it was just so odd last time that they kept saying, look out for Klobuchar, look out for Warren right. and and look out for Mayor Pete. And nobody emerged and they're panicked. James Clyburn pretty much saved the party because he was the only one tolerable. Yeah. James Clyburn, I love that, the election denier of 2000 and 2004. That was so great that you wrote that. Yeah. And I referred to you uh, on Saturday night, and I yeah. said, as Karl Rove wrote in the Wall Street Journal. I could easily said, you know, I've been thinking about it. But I said, as Karl Rove wrote in the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, did you feel your popularity rise? I, you know what? I wondered because I did get a couple of phone calls that night saying, congratulations. I didn't I didn't read your column, but I heard about it from America's <laughs> most trusted source right. of information. Brian Kilmeade, uh, but I, I missed that. So. Thanks for saying that and yeah. not had it. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. Uh, Carl, real quick, um, Donald Trump uh, right now is considering running. Do you think he will and should he? Well, in fact, I got an email from him last night asking my uh, counsel on who he should pick as his running mate, which I thought was unusual. And was it then, a direct email or was it a – No, it, it was apparently sent to a million people. Therefore, oh. it came to me. But uh, but so, I, you know, look, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean uh, that was a da- little bit of a dangerous move. He's, he sent it from Save America and was asking for advice on his running mate. Has, has he already declared? Has he already made a decision? I mean – that was a little well, you guys are in a little bit of a feud on and off, right? Yeah. One minute you love each other, the next No, no, one. no. I'm just I'm, – I'm calling balls and strikes. And so, you know – He doesn't, he doesn't like, like that. that. He doesn't like I that. I know that for a fact. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you do. No, not necessarily from you, but I know I've heard it. Yeah, uh, gone exactly. back at me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. I'll say one thing. 
he does he's the same guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just, no one can yeah. say, well, he's too old. You could say he's too old chronologically, but you can't say he lost it. If you didn't like him, you never liked him. And if you do like him, he's pretty much the same well, guy. I, you know, I Where I can't sli- say the same thing with Biden. Yeah, I have a slightly different view. I think people come and go. Some people come and go. They're, they're always for him. If if, if we're in such a tribal moment, if people say, but you know, Trump, bad guy, we all rally. You know, all the Republicans rally to him. But, it, you know, there there's some of them that say, you know what, I'm, I'm getting tired. I mean, you know, why are we going through this big controversy over him taking documents? You know, it's so interesting. Yeah. Senator Jay, I know what you mean. Senator, uh, I can't tell you who, but said to me yesterday, I'll tell you in the break, um, Brian, you realize the biggest problem? I go, what? He goes, lame duck. He goes, yeah. you, you elect somebody and they're a lame duck right away. It hurts your party. Right. So it's not in our, it's, you know, it's it's not in our best interest. It's funny. I was talking the other day to a guy who's a big Trump enthusiast. said, I love what he did. I I get the criticism of how he handled himself, but he said, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to be supporting him next time around like I was before because I want somebody who can go in and serve two terms. And he, if he gets That's elected, can only serve one. And he said, we're at such an important moment in our country that I think we need conservative leadership that mm-hmm. is there for two terms. And he said, also, that tends to be one – after you've had two terms, you know, the, the George 41 is – you know, it was unusual following Reagan. Normally you get eight years by one party and then it flips to the other guys. And I don't, I don't want to have it flip at the end of, uh, of one term. So. Never thought of that. That's very well, interesting. Sophisticated yeah, it's guy, it's so the same thing see. they said to Grover Cleveland, but he ran anyway. Yeah, uh, I'm exactly. surprised. It's they, they, did, they didn't have very many other options back <laughs> then. Uh, Carl Rove, you actually know that. It's great to see you in person. You, you haven't thanks, aged either. Thanks for being here. And <laughs> I, I was, just for you. Yeah, just for me. I'm just, I'm flattered. I back mean, in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The only problem with it was they didn't want to be a sanctuary jurisdiction. So they called out the National Guard and they had those illegals deported the next day from Martha's Vineyard. And here's the thing that you see, claiming to be sanctuary and all that, that was a way to virtue signal against Trump and do all this other stuff. They're basically doing it so that they feel good, but they don't want to actually have to deal with the consequences of the policies that they advocate for all of you. Right. And that was the governor. Governor did not do any. Governor DeSantis did not do any publicity. I found this stunning uh, over the weekend. And even since, and I talked to Tucker's people, we tried to book him on Saturday and Tucker's people who 
uh, wanted him Friday. Couldn't believe it. They said no. And then over the weekend, he had an event, so he spoke out. And what are we talking about? Governor DeSantis said, we're taking our illegals that you put in here without telling us, and we're shipping them to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, because why should these southern states be paying a price for this? A lot of people say it looks cruel. It's as cruel as dumping him in El Paso, Rio Grande Valley, into Yuma, Arizona. Why is it less cruel? They're coming here, and they're storming our borders. I don't care the reason. We can't handle it. And it's got to be done in an orderly way. Storming 7,000 a day is not right. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Inflation Reduction Act is something my staff and I worked extremely hard on to make sure it was balanced. The most important thing we want to do is what our Republicans, my friends, and we've always talked about, produce more energy. This bill will produce more energy. We'll drill more oil. We'll produce more oil. We'll produce more natural gas. But is it? Where is the... It's not in the bill. It's going to be a separate paper. And the paper can't pass. Has Senator Manchin been totally duped by Senator Schumer? Governor Jim Justice, a former Democrat turned Republican, the 36th governor of West Virginia, where Joe Manchin calls home, uh, one of our favorite all-time guests, joins us now. Welcome back, Governor. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Good I just, from you. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to get your take on, you know, I really credited Joe Manchin for not adding two states, not, uh, not allowing the filibuster to blow up. Uh, pushing back on the massive Build Back Better. But I'm mystified by why he'd go along with this deal, and it turns out he doesn't even have a deal. What could you tell us about what Joe Manchin got out of this? Well, I can't tell you what he got out of it, but he has to have something out of it because uh, because it surely, it surely just duped on West Virginia, that's for sure. You know, it. Uh, I mean... To try to backtrack and say we're going to have more energy, we're going to drill more, we're going to do this and that and everything, you know, and I know, Brian, that takes a, that takes separate papers, and, and it's just that's just not going to happen under this. I mean, in this situation, what we've done is we've uh, we've walked away from fossil fuels, and, and I, I would be the first to say we should embrace the alternatives. We should absolutely do that. We just did a, We just did a deal in West Virginia just a week ago that basically Berkshire Hathaway wanted to come to West Virginia and wanted to have an area that was in a green-type zone to where – so we did that. We set up two 2,200-acre two parks that basically are going to be 100% green. Now, we absolutely – from my standpoint, I absolutely believe wholeheartedly to embrace the alternatives. But in this situation, you know, from a Senator Manchin's standpoint, you know, I don't know what he's getting out of it. But it has to be getting something big time because really and truly it's just left West Virginia holding the bag. So what's so amazing is if he got what he said, he wanted to release, uh, loosen up the permitting process, speed it up, uh, for example, to drill and do, do what have you. He did want to do carbon capture on coal plants to allow them to stay open, uh, stay open longer because the carbon capture would keep it under some type of criteria and finish a pipeline that goes through West Virginia. But it, nothing to, that's nothing to do with the budget. Therefore, it can't be in reconciliation. So it's got to be a separate paper. Nay needs the votes. Well, it turns out Bernie Sanders goes, I'm not going to vote for this. They hate each other. And, you know, he's a socialist, doesn't even belong in the Senate, in my view. Uh, and he would never fly in West Virginia to begin with. So listen to what Joe Manchin says. Cut 48. We have to have 60 in, in, the, in the Senate. We only have 50 Democrats. 
Now, Bernie's not going to vote for it any way, shape, or form. So if we have 45 or 49 Democrats, don't you think there will be at least 15 or more of Republicans? It's the only thing that we have ever done that has a chance to really fight inflation. Well, I hope Democrats and Republicans will come to their senses, Brett. But you're I really need- do. It was the most bizarre statement. You signed off on a deal that put trillions into our economy that we didn't have, and you didn't even get the commitment from Republicans that you evidently needed or from the Democrats? There's 70 in the House that don't want to vote for this. Yeah, Brian, I, I, you know, like I say, it's, it's mystifying. You know, it, it really, it's a, it's a, it's a real shame. I mean, let, if I can jump back to fossil fuels just a second, yeah. you know, and just say just this, that uh, from the standpoint of this nation, from the standpoint of the world, I mean, for people to really believe that today, 2022, that we can do without fossil fuels today and we just stop, that's the most frivolous, ridiculous statement in the world. Can we get to something at some point in time to where sure. we can do that? Well, sure we can. Sure, sure we can. You know, but but with all that being said, the bottom line of the whole thing is the more energy we have in the world, people live longer, people live healthier. I mean, civilization only progresses with cheap, abundant, clean energy. And so we have the ability now to be clean energy, but really and truly, I, I have no clue, no clue how anybody can sit back and try to defend what's going on in D.C. today from the standpoint, you got people all across this nation that are really hurting on this inflation deal because prices are significantly higher everywhere if you can get to stuff, you know, and, and the net of the whole thing is we just we just keep spinning around and trying to cover up and trying to come up with a way to make it fit and look good. I mean, this, this is bad stuff, and there's too many people that are really hurting it. And this midterm deal is going to be a whitewash for them, and at least I hope and pray it is anyway. Well, I mean, you would think so. Uh, in West Virginia in particular, you were telling me uh, the fentanyl, how, what a big deal it is. It, you're not a border state, but, man, you're feeling the fentanyl pouring in the border. And what people are forgetting about, they nobody wanted to talk about the border until Abbott and DeSantis started, and, and Ducey to a degree, started sending these illegal immigrants into their cities and their states. They're going to be heading to Delaware soon, as well as Martha's Vineyard. What's your take on this? Look, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, whether it be crime, the border, inflation, Afghanistan, everything in the world that this administration has done is so ass backwards, it's off the chart. But uh, and And they're just so out of touch with really what I call Toby and Edith that are the voters and the people that are out there that are really the real, the real people, the fabric of this country. But, but with, with all that said, the fentanyl situation in West Virginia has had a major impact. And, and we have got, we have got a lot, a lot, a lot of folks that we're losing and, 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 you know, and all across this nation, it's just as simple as that, you know, people just, you know, kids, kids that really don't know any better and, you and I were kids at one time. You know, thank God I never did anything whatsoever with drugs. I'm sure you didn't either. But at the, at the same time, a lot of kids get doing stuff on experimental basis and everything. Else. And a lot of times it's one time and they're gone. And in the family's great goodness alive, it is tragic beyond belief. But, but what's going on at the border is, I mean, 
It is the craziest stuff in the history of the world, and you know it. We all know it. But yet the media won't talk about it. And, you know, what's going on, you know, whether it be Abbott or, or, or the census, you know, I mean, the, 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 this great stuff, I mean, I mean, they're sending folks. And, and, and it made and, everybody you know, talk it, about it, Governor. It made everybody lead with it on the Sunday shows. They want to ignore it. I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. And, but, but listen, Brian, the, the, the thing about this, if we don't really watch out and really amp this up in a really, really strong way, this will fade away because they don't want to talk about it. This is a blip on the screen, a good blip, but we've got to make it a whole lot more. So the other thing you discussed is inflation. The president spoke for the first time in over over 200 days in a sit-down interview. I've never heard of that. How do you become president and feel you don't want to communicate or take tough questions or any questions? So Scott Pelley, who had his 16-ounce uh, uh, boxing gloves on and was throwing underhand, uh, said this, cut 21. And you would tell the American people that inflation is going to continue to decline? No, I'm telling the American people that we're going to get control of inflation. And their prescription drug prices are going to be a hell of a lot lower. Their health care costs are going to be a lot lower. Their basic costs for everybody. Their energy prices are going to be lower. Well, we know the energy prices are only going up. Most people's have doubled and, and we're getting set for the winter. What's your take on that? Well, it's just it's just this, Brian. I mean, you know. Like I said, threw him a softball. You know, honestly, had, had him hold a, a tennis racket, and they threw him a watermelon. And, <laughs> and you know, and so, honest to God, even he can hit that. And so, so basically, they asked him, "Is inflation going to get better?" He really didn't answer it. Didn't he? Really said, you know, that that prescription costs are going to be better, and energy costs are going to be better, which is so ridiculous it's off the chart. Because this is the time of year that there's a pause in energy prices because it's not too hot. The demand for air conditioning is not quite as high, you know, from the standpoint of it, it's not cold enough. So the heating demand is not all that high. But we're getting ready to go in the winter. And Europe is getting ready to go in the winter. And I will promise you from the standpoint of the Europeans today, you know, every pound of coal that they can buy, no matter where it may, where it may be, they're trying to buy because they're really worried. Have you I mean, noticed it? Have, yeah. you, have you noticed people oh, inquiring? Oh, my gosh, bro. You know, I mean, anybody that knows anything about natural resources would know that without any question, I mean, the Europeans are panicked. And the reason they're panicked is primarily two things. One, they don't have any idea what Putin's going to do, and they're worried about that, but they're way, way more worried about what in the hell are we going to do with the winter coming. And, and really and truly... You know, and we don't have any way of getting through the winter. So what's happening in, in Europe is their governments, whether it be the Polish government or the German government or whatever, are underwriting and underwriting and underwriting because absolutely without any question, they know they've got a big-time, big-time energy crisis. And right here in the U.S., if, if, if you just – I mean, I can't imagine that – that we aren't sensitive to the fact that people are hurting. I mean, that's the thing that I can't get over. I know. Is people are really hurting, and how we just snub our nose at them, I don't get it. I just plain don't get it. In West Virginia, what I'm trying to do, and I'm breaking my neck to do this, is to try to get rid of our personal income tax in West Virginia. 
we have kept a flat budget for the for all practical purposes the entire time that I've been in in in, in office and everything. I hate to say this because it sounds like a politician. I don't want to be a politician, but when I walked in the door, West Virginia was dead level bankrupt, and all I've all I've done is just do what a business guy knows to do: mind the store, run the store the way it should be run. And West Virginia's killing it. I mean, West Virginia's doing great beyond great, but we need to move forward in West Virginia. And to be perfectly honest, I've got people pushing back on getting, trying to get rid of the state income tax, and it's the silliest thing in the world. But, but right. you, you know, that's the problem. Brian, let me just say one more thing. The problem today is just this. And this, was, you know, is too many people, and I never would have believed it. When I ran for office, I never would have believed it. But too many people that are in office today, all they are there doing is trying every way in the world to figure out how they can stay in office, how they can get reelected, move to the next office, whatever it may be. And at the end of the day, sure, they care, but that's secondary to getting elected again. So, you and, know, uh, Governor, you bring up a great point because you do this for service. You're running. You're still running. You have a business to run. You've self-made uh uh, a super success story. So you decide, you look at this, and I've got a chance to meet you away from uh, the microphones and away from the cameras. You look at this as an opportunity to serve. Well, how do I give back? You've acquired this great business instinct, so you think you could help your state that certainly needs leadership. That's why I laugh when people say, well, Dr. Oz and the Herschel Walkers of the world and the generals who run for office, well, they're not politicians and, and, it's, and a party's going to be hurt. Excuse me. They were never meant to be politicians. Ben Carson, they're, they're people that have achieved enormous success in their lives. And they say, well, how else do I serve the country? Why do you need professional politicians? Get someone to organize you. You get a chief of staff and you go and give back. I laugh at when people say it's wrong to have a, a, a leading surgeon run for office. Don't you? Oh, gosh, Brian, it's so ridiculous. I mean, go back, go out, go back to our founding fathers. That's all you got to do. I mean, they came and they served. Many of them lost everything they had, whether it was their farms or whatever it may be. But they came and, and they served. And people aren't doing that now. And people resent that. But really and true, at the end of the day, I mean, Brian, right now, I'm driving down the road. I drive myself wherever I go. I pay for all my stuff. I am not. The only thing in the world that I want is goodness for our people. And it is. It's humbling, and it is, it is an honor beyond belief. Right. I say it over and over, whether I'm in a plane at night or whatever. And as far as I can see, I see little lights, and I, and I really feel like every one of those people, every one of those lights are depending on me. And absolutely, I'm not going to let them down. There's no way. There's no way in the world because I don't want anybody. There's nothing that anybody can do for me right. that I don't want a thing. And so – so it, uh, you know, people say that, but people, it's just garbage when they say it most of the time, you know, but I, it's not garbage with me. I hear you. And I know it. I know you're not, uh, I know you're speaking the truth. Uh, Governor Jim Justice, always great to talk to you. Uh, and just, just tell Joe Manchin, get it in writing next time, because the stuff that he got probably would have helped West Virginia, but it turns out he got nothing. And I just can't believe a guy with that experience uh, in politics would walk out with nothing. Uh, while still uh, respecting the fact that he did stop the Democrats for doing a lot of crazy stuff. Governor, thanks so much. All right, Brian, listen, thank you. and appreciate all you do every day. You're a superstar. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Governor.
Uh, when we come back, I'll squeeze in some calls, I promise. That was great. Uh, the great governor, Jim Justice of West Virginia. Uh, back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Here at first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. How we teach our kids history has become a big controversy these days with liberals accusing conservatives of wanting to whitewash the past, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes they do. But plenty of liberals also want to abuse history to control the present. And last month, a scholar named James Sweet caught hell for calling them out for doing just that. He criticized the phenomenon known as presentism which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago really should have known better. (laughs) Which is so stupid. It's like getting mad at yourself for not knowing what you know now when you were 10. I I don't know a better way to put it. It It's so great, and I keep on praising Bill Maher. I'm... I'm sure he's not praising me on a daily basis, but I deal with this all the time with the president of Freedom Fighter and going back to doing these live shows, which I'm doing in Tulsa on November 13th and on the 12th in Brandon, Mississippi. Uh, go, um, go, Brandon. Uh, go to BrianKillMe.com for tickets. That's what I talk about. All of a sudden, instead of just saying, hey, this moment in history, I have to defend it. And that's fine. I'm happy to do it. I never thought I'd be doing it. And to have somebody who loved to attack Republicans for 25 years on national television, now on HBO, say things are out of control uh, because of the criticism and the rewriting of our history and our present and our hatred, our self-hatred that he actually spent. And I have more cuts of this. He spent most of his first half of his hour weekly show talking about the idiocy of taking down statues and blowing up our past. And how long have we been talking about that when he, this is, gives me great hope is why I play it. Not that, uh, not that I want a, uh, Bill Maher to listen to the show. It's that if people on the left who are normally critics of everything on the right say you guys have gone so far off, the, off your axis that I can't even subscribe to you, but I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to build my show around your idiocy. I think it's noteworthy because I think over the last year and a half, I'd probably... Two of every four shows that Bill Maher has, we highlight something he brings up. And what he brings up is not something deep that maybe George Will or or some deep thinker would come up. He just comes up with logic. What happened to the logic in our discourse? It's so maddening. A lot of us just check out. I won't. Top Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. This stretch in the Ukraine where the Russians getting their butt kicked. Big time, thankfully, and may be throttled for decades to come. That would make the world a better place. We'll discuss all of that. This hour, we're going to be joined by Michael Goodwin, who is going to be with us in a matter of moments, and Congressman Steve Scalise. Uh, He is going to be mounting an effort, along with Kevin McCarthy, to make sure the House ends up in Republican hands. And they're going to lay out, they were going to do it two weeks ago, lay out their format and stuff they want to accomplish and what a Republican House would look like. But the Queen died. And it's taken us two weeks to bury her. And uh, she'll be buried soon. 
uh, maybe in a few hours. And we will not talk Queen. I apologize. Uh, but if you do want Queen talk, I'm going to ask you just this one time to go somewhere else. I can't take it. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. They're a disaster in the field. The incompetence of the Russians, which is surpassed what I would have expected. They have simply failed to deliver. Wow. Uh, Steve Winwood would sing about it. They are winning. Ukraine is winning in Russia, uh, is emptying their prisons, firing their generals. And in order to hold on to their illegal gains of a country, they had no business going into. Meanwhile, our recovered land reveals they have been killing thousands of innocents, torturing them first during their short occupation. Number two. Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch. Hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news. What is wrong with him? President Biden speaks to 60 Minutes, even in this softball setting, makes some hair-raising statements, leaving his very own future in doubt. We'll break it down. Number one. One of the biggest failures of the rule of law is happening right now at the southern border of the United States. Until last week, no one was really talking much about it. Now, people are concerned about it. And the crowd roars. Uh, Ron DeSantis making some waves along with Governor Abbott by sending this, uh, their, those illegals coming into our country into these rich areas. Border brawling. Dems erupt over Martha's Vineyard migrant drop uh, and the VP residence bus stop as 11 more buses arrive in New York City. Finally, people are paying attention. So, therefore, it's working. Joining me now, Michael Goodwin, esteemed columnist in the New York Post, Fox News contributor. You can follow him at mgoodwin underscore NY Post. Michael, first off, would you say if you watched the Sunday shows and saw even the nightly news that these governor, these moves by uh, busing them into these areas has worked? At least people are addressing it. Uh, good morning, Brian. I, I would say it has worked. Uh, I, as I wrote in my column, if uh, it, it exposed uh, the Democrats' hypocrisy on this. They don't want these migrants in their cities, but it's okay for the uh, border towns and border states to uh, absorb them all. I mean, that's what the, uh, the governors, I think, achieved. Unfortunately, they did not achieve the, the real objective, which was not just to embarrass the Democrats, but it was to get the Democrats to go to the White House and say, look, uh, you know, this is no longer uh, a minor issue for us. This is a major issue for us, for your blue cities, your blue states. Mr. President, we're on the same team. You've got to help us shut the border. They didn't do that. Uh, instead, there, there's a variety of responses. Uh, Chicago, Lori Lightfoot sent a bus to a suburb, a Republican suburb. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the mayor of Washington, D.C., it's bizarre. She calls out the National Guard. Uh, I'm not sure what her plan is uh, New York, New York, unfortunately, well, we saw what happened in Martha's Vineyard, of course, they got shipped off to a military base on the mainland. Um, New York is, a, is in a strange place, too. The mayor, Eric Adams, has, I say, uh, an incoherent reaction on one hand. Yeah, you know what? Let's hear it. I want you to. I agree with you. I was trying to say, what does he even mean? Cut five. Yeah. So, Vice President Harris one week ago uh, said that the border is secure. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think our southern border is secure? 
I believe that we can continue to coordinate better to make sure that it is secured properly. And I think that it's crucial that anyone that comes in this country uh, should not be coming here to harm Americans, no matter what uh, entryway they're doing. And I think that the, the partnership that we've been working out with the White House is going to do everything possible to make sure that continues. What the hell did he just say? This is a man who doesn't know what his own policy is, who hasn't figured out what to do about it. He's Look, this is what happens when you try to toe the party line. How can you say the border is secure? When you're, when you're faced with that question, look, people want straight talk from politicians. To, to be asked, uh, is, is uh, Kamala Harris correct when she says the border is secure? And to deliver that word salad makes you sound like Kamala Harris. I mean, (laughs) how dare you insult the mayor like that? Yeah, right. But look, I mean, he's done. First of all, he he never said anything when Biden sent a secret flight. A lot of secret flights came into the New York area. Right. Eric Adams never said peep about that, although the Post reported it repeatedly. Uh, Then when Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, starts sending buses up, Adams goes crazy. He's going to get all kinds of New Yorkers to go to Florida and campaign against Abbott. Well, good luck with that. That was a 24-hour bubble. That was great. That, That didn't happen. And so he continues to criticize Abbott. But then, sort of somewhat secretly, he goes and sends city officials to El Paso, Texas, where there's a Democratic mayor, and they make a deal that El Paso will send 200 migrants a day to New York by bus. So figure this out. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say a word when Biden does it. He screams bloody murder when Abbott does it. And then he makes a side deal with the El Paso mayor to send 200 a day. I mean, where is the policy here? Where's the coherence? Already the city shelter system for the homeless is bursting. You're having all kinds of feuds between the new arrivals and the homeless who say, this is ours. Get these new people out of here. Then finally, Brian, many of them are Venezuelans, which has a special uh, category because of America's relationship with Venezuela. So none of it makes a a whit of sense. And then, of course, there's the cost. There is the, which has not been reimbursed uh, so far by the White House, there is the issue of what do you do with these people? Uh, Adams wants to let them work. Can you imagine what what message that would send to the Unbelievable. So it's, it's just, crazy. It's, it's such a mess. It's just such a mess. And finally, I would just say this. The mayor has taken his eye off the ball. The ball is crime. The ball is public disorder. Bringing in thousands of migrants who don't speak English for the most part, who can't work, who can't function in our society, who are not allowed to do certain things. It makes no sense in the world. A couple of things. The first, you know, this is when people say, well, Trump had a broken system. Broken system. Remain in Mexico and Venezuela would these Venezuelans are fleeing this brutal country most likely will be productive citizens. The the gist of them, I'm sure, you know, they're used to a capitalist society where they had a shot at working and they they were oil rich and they let Hugo Chavez and his successor ruin it. So they should apply for citizenship in the first country they step foot in. Remember that. 
So that's what that's another policy they'll put together right. by the administration. So they have to remain in Mexico while they be evaluated. They have to apply for citizenship in the first country they put foot in. And if you break the rules, you're not going to get in. You're, you're <laughs> going to be sent out right away, along with building 450 miles of wall. Please tell me how that's broken. You know what I liked about it? He's he was trying. He was trying to fix it. They they were ignoring it. They left these governors no choice. It's almost as if I was watching the Saints Bucks brawl. And I'm saying to myself, where are the coaches and where's the discipline? If you let these gladiators fight it out, they will kill each other. But there's a system in place, and they tossed him out. If you guys missed this brawl, it was so brutal with football helmets on. And I'm saying to myself, where's the discipline? We are watching governors and mayors fight each other because the federal government has put no rules in place. This is the Saints-Bucks game played out without helmets and mouthpieces. Here's more from Eric Adams uh, slamming the mayors. Cut four. And it just really uh, goes uh, in contradiction to who we believe we are, not only as a country, but particularly as a city. Uh, this is a city that has right to shelter, and it's a safe haven city as well. We would love to coordinate with our partners uh, throughout the state uh, that feel as though they uh, would like to share in these obligations that we have, but it's going to be done in a coordinated fashion. It is not going to be done in an underhanded way, as you have witnessed from the Florida governor and the governor of Texas. Okay, what does that mean? So he's asking small towns in Oneonta and in Buffalo, can you take some of these guys? What's, what's he saying? Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, that, this, is, this is how he talks. This is how all politicians talk when they're trying to avoid the central truth of the matter. Central truth of the matter is these people are coming across with these asylum claims. And, and Brian, I mean, the, the details of what's happening there, I think, get lost in this. But you have a lot of American lawyers coaching, going into Mexico and coaching these people, funded, funded in many parts by the federal government, coaching them on how to file an asylum claim. Now, the asylum law is pretty narrow. It's about religious, uh, political, uh, so kind of personal uh, persecution. That's what, that's what asylum is about. It's not about a poor economy, random violence, uh, an authoritarian government. If that were the test, then the whole world could come to America practically. So it's very narrow. But you have these lawyers coaching them, and the way that uh, sometimes it's the courts, sometimes it's the Biden administration and previous administrations have dealt with it is if you come to this country and you file a sign claim, you can stay while your case is adjudicated. The problem is, even the New York Times said recently, it sometimes takes seven years. So these people are never leaving. They're here right. now under these circumstances. Fox, I've reported several times, Fox uh, News has reported that there are upwards of four million, maybe four and a half million people who have come to the United States from these countries under Joe Biden. Th this does not include the ones that have been sent back. 
maybe maybe close to a million have come without any detection whatsoever. And, and let's, it, Michael, let's, let me add something. Henry Cuellar over the weekend, I'm not going to play it now, said at the very least, if you're going to send people back, they need video of people being sent back. They need to see these these camps overwhelmed. If you are sending all these people back and he didn't know, I don't know. Why are you not sending that message? That's the message people will get. But right now, all they see is people streaming in, and they get to say, stay. This is flat-out laziness because I can't see the advantage to them breaking the border and then allowing this chaos to reign. Finally, I just want to get your take on Joe Biden saying this about his future yesterday, Cut 17. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look. My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. I was shocked at that. You know, why yeah. not just hold the line? Why were you telling everyone for sure you're going to run and your press secretary to say they're going to run? And all of a sudden your wife says something last week and now the president says this. What's, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, he certainly injected an element of doubt uh, about his intentions. And, you know, Brian, I'm reminded that, uh, that uh, Harris, Kamala Harris, said something similar at one point. Remember she said that Joe Biden is going to run, and then she corrected it. So she had someone correct with the reporters on her plane. It's, it's his intention to run. So I, I, th- I think there's clearly something afoot here. And it may simply be that they are reading the handwriting on the wall which is that Democrats, despite all this bravado, despite the, the attempt to, you know, um, hang President Trump and, and, and to make abortion the defining issue of the campaign, are still in trouble in the midterms. And even if they pull out one or both houses, it's not because of Joe Biden, that Joe Biden is a is a increasing liability. The idea that he could serve from this point six more years, who, who can possibly believe that? So I've always thought that when he said he was running, that was just to forestall the exit, the, uh, the right. stampede for the gates. And I think that's, as we get closer, I suspect it's, it's entirely possible that after the midterms, uh, almost uh, regardless of how they turn out, he will announce he's not running in 24. Okay. That, uh, would, that would not surprise me. Yeah. I mean, the same thing a week ago. They were saying Democrats are resigned to the fact that he will run, uh, but they weren't happy about it. But now it looks for him to say this and for the first lady to say the same thing. It's pretty clear he's not, which most people predicted like you. Uh, Michael, thanks so much. It was great. My pleasure. Thank you, Brian. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Bottom of the hour, Steve Scalise. Next, you. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Why is it when the Republicans want to enforce their immigration theories, it's always the kids that end up being the victims? We saw it with kids in cages. We saw it with the forcible removal of children from their parents, some who've never been reunited with their families. And now, once again, it's the kids and families that are put on these buses and transported for political purposes across the United States. Senator Dick Durbin is so full of it. Yeah, some kids are involved. Mostly it's male a male, a male of working age who seemed perfectly healthy, not in need of any type of 
sanctuary. They're the ones who should be staying in their country and trying to fix it, not coming here or applying for it to do it the right way. Yeah, there are kids involved, but for the most part, these families are coming across, going through the jungles, paying all types of money, sanctuary, giving up their homes to come here illegally instead of doing it the right way. We're we're petitioning to expand the consulate in a way that will allow them to come here. But right now, they're letting everybody in, and because those kids are better off in El Paso than Martha's Vineyard, is it that torturous in Martha's Vineyard? What are we afraid of, a sunburn? Harold, WPTF, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Raleigh. Hey, Harold. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I called you for the last three years, and I suggested that when you take these immigrants and yep. drop them off in the richest zip codes you in did. America. You did. And you did. And you would get a different response than what you're getting now. I called the White House constantly. Trump, don't fight with these people. They argue. AOC is at the border crying. Three busloads the next day in Queens. It's that simple. I have a son-in-law who's in Jamaica now, married my daughter, been there over a year because we're doing it the right way. Paperwork, lawyers, immigration lawyers, we're doing it the right way. But the bottom line is I could have shipped him over to Tijuana, told him to stroll across the border, and and everything would be good. Yeah, I mean, it would be a struggle at some point when we get a normal president in to say, hey, listen, uh, E-Verify says you're, not, you're here illegally and there'll be fines to pay and things like that, but you're doing it the right way. But what we do need, Harold, I like to expand the consulates in these countries. I want to screen them at a rapid rate. We do have 11 million open jobs. They are right about that. But let's just find out who's coming here in an orderly way. We're a nation of immigrants. We're a great country for people because people like you have made it a great country and people want to come here. If you're going to be an asset, we got the jobs, depending on who you are. But this is not the way to do it. And the fact that the administration has no interest in cracking down has caused these governors to do what they're doing now. There's politically risk to what they're doing. It's not all upside for them. But they got to get attention. At least they got attention. Harold, I do remember you recommending this. And know that Trump tried it. His lawyers talked him out of doing this. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Your grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month is just um, uh, uh, just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news. But it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. You're, I, mean, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Wow, that is a tough stance. And I don't know how tactically smart that is. It hasn't budged up an un, un, unlivably uh, high. Nobody says that inflation's not a problem except for the President Biden. Congressman Steve Scalise joins us now, House Republican Whip. Congressman, your take on that answer. Yeah, Brian, great to be with you. And it just shows you how disconnected Joe Biden is from reality and how out of touch he is with what his policies are doing to hurt families. I mean, inflation over 8% is not just barely even or not some big deal or, hey, go celebrate and throw a party at the White House like they did last week while the market's tanking. You know, they really don't think this is a problem. And it's, it's the main problem families 
cite when they talk about what's wrong with the country that you can't afford to buy goods. You can't go to the grocery store. You, he was even bragging about gas prices being low. They're over 40 percent higher than when he became president because of the things he's done. And they keep doubling down. They want to spend more money. He just celebrated a seven hundred and thirty billion dollar tax hike and spending bill that also adds eighty seven thousand IRS agents who are going to be going after low income families. The numbers prove it from the Congressional Budget Office. You're, you're as a low-income family, going to be paying over $20 billion in new taxes under Joe Biden's bill. But he promised you that you won't be paying more in taxes, except he signed a bill that will do just that, too. So they are totally disconnected Congressman, from reality. when you bulk up with $87 billion, you're not going to find people to do it. But you get qualified people to do it. they got to get customer service because nobody picks up the phone there. Number two is, if, if in order of priority, wouldn't you put that money towards the border? You have 13,000 IRA, IRA, you have 13,000 total border agents, most of which are processing people and off the border. There's like 3,000 watching 3,000 miles of border. So what are we thinking about those priorities? Why is people not bringing that up? Yeah, and we, we brought this up during the debate, and it shows you again how out of touch they are with reality, where you got Kamala Harris on national TV saying the border's secure, and in the meantime, you got some of the most liberal elites in the world hanging out in Martha's Vineyard complaining that Ron DeSantis sends one busload worth of, of folks that are crossed the border illegally over to Martha's Vineyard because it might, might disrupt their garden parties. And in the meantime, you've had millions of people come across illegally, and they've sidelined the Border Patrol. We want to allow Border Patrol agents to actually do their job in securing America's border. Let's continue building the wall. Let's get back to the Remain in Mexico policy that President Trump negotiated to actually allow us to have a secure border that Joe Biden inherited. And then he turned it into an out-of-control chaotic situation where millions of people have come across and our Border Patrol agents can't do their job while he wants to double the size of the IRS to come after lower-income families. Well, I mean, there's some disturbing things going on right now, and that's utility bills. Uh, they're going up significantly. Electricity's up 15%, the biggest jump since 1981. Natural gas prices have doubled. We're about to go to the winter, according to reports. Uh, gas prices are about 368, still a full dollar plus of where it was. Grocery prices are 13.5%, and we know that the Fed is going to raise interest rates. So people want their first home or with, uh, or we're about to buy a home are backing out at a dizzying rate. But yet this is what the president said yesterday, cut 20. Is the economy going to get worse before it gets better? No, I don't think so. We hope we can have what they say, a soft landing, a transition to a place where we don't lose the gains that I ran to make in the first place for middle-class folks being able to generate good paying jobs and, and expansion. And at the same time, uh, make sure that we uh, uh, we are able to continue to grow. Feel better? Yeah, that's not quite the picture of confidence that you'd want to see from the <laughs> commander in chief, Brian. <laughs> and he calls this a soft landing. Who's it soft for? You know, I mean, families that are paying more than double for a mortgage, you can't even afford to buy your first home today if you were saving up. Because, one, you're spending all of your savings to go pay more money for everything that costs more because of Biden's inflation. But then interest rates are more than double what they were when he took office. So you can't even afford to buy a house right now. And he calls that a soft landing. I mean, again, totally disconnected from reality. President Biden just continues to double down on the things that created all these problems. He won't work with us to fix them. And look, November, 
we're running on an agenda to actually go and turn this around, showing the country what a Republican-led House would do to solve these problems as opposed to make things worse. So uh, 10 cities with the highest inflation rate, Phoenix, which, of course, Arizona, everything to do with who controls the Senate, Atlanta, uh, Georgia, everything to do with who controls the Senate, Tampa is third, Miami is fourth, and fifth is Dallas. Sixth is Riverside, San Bernardino, Ontario, big shocker. Uh, Then Denver, which we know uh, Republicans have their hopes that they could pick up a Senate seat there. Uh, Baltimore, where uh, Minneapolis, and then Houston, Texas, uh, the Woodlands, where inflation, those are the 10 highest ones. So when people talk about crime, that's probably 1B in terms of what people care about. I was read today that New Orleans is now the murder capital of the country. What's going on there? I heard you can't hire cops. Nobody wants to fill these positions. Yeah, it's out of control, Brian. And, you know, you've got a situation where they've, they've got a really depleted police force. They, they're not aggressively going to hire more police. So that's, in essence, defunding the police if you're not hiring them at the right levels. And they're letting criminals out. They're not charging uh, and putting criminals away for a lot of crimes. And so, you know, the word goes out on the streets that, you know, if you're carjacking, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and the mayor caught a lot of heat, rightfully so, because she went and testified for a carjacker, not for the, the victim of a carjacking. And it's you just have an embarrassment of a mayor. That, How does she still have her job? Yeah. I mean, that woman flying well, around the country recall. first class while New Orleans is rotting. There's a recall going on right now, but it just shows you we've seen this in big city after big city where they defund the police. They go to no cash bail. They say we're not going to charge people for crimes unless you basically you have to murder somebody. Well, guess what? You have people that are committing more and more violent crimes and ultimately get to murdering people because they would have been in jail for the lower level crimes if they were charged. And this is happening in every big city in America. Uh, These are all Democrat policies. And it's becoming a national issue. It's going to definitely be something we talk about in terms of something we would do if we had the House in November. So no doubt about it on the Senate side, you guys are all disjointed. Rick Scott and Mitch McConnell are on different pages. Lindsey Graham on different pages from Mitch McConnell, as well as Rick Scott. And not at war, but there seems to be a subtle rivalry there and certainly no coordination. On the House side, you guys have not had that problem. I know that... uh, I heard that Leader McCarthy and you were going to lay out your agenda until the Queen passed away and you knew it would be smothered. Obviously, look at coverage today. That's all we're doing on TV. So what could you tell us that is the Republican agenda should you get the House? Yeah, Brian, this Friday we're going to be rolling out our commitment to America. And so similar with the contract to America, we've worked with Newt Gingrich, a lot of other people. But we've worked with all of our members from all across the country These are members who have backgrounds in in every kind of jurisdictional area you can imagine, from economic issues, how to lower uh, inflation, how to lower gas prices and energy prices, how to secure the border, how to deal with crime in cities, uh, how to get parents more involved in their kids' education, where Democrats are siding with labor unions to shut kids out of school. So all of those are things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be rolling it out in Pittsburgh. We wanted to get out of the bubble of Washington, D.C., And so this Friday, we're going to be rolling out what we call the commitment to America. I think it's something people are going to get excited about because we're all in unison talking about the things we would do in a Republican House. Pelosi won't bring any of these bills to the floor today. We will absolutely bring and pass bills through a Republican House if the voters of this country give us that opportunity by flipping at least four more seats. And I think there's going to be a lot more than that flipped 
from Democrats to Republicans so we can start addressing the problems that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have created to address inflation, to address an out-of-control border, crime across America, energy prices through the roof. Well, a couple of things. What about the take of overhearing Senator Schumer talking last week that said there's only a 40 percent chance they're going to hold on to the House and they think they got a reasonable chance to hold on to the Senate? Uh, And he was talking honestly about, you know, I guess Nancy Pelosi would be uh, retired if that was indeed to happen. Well, we're focused on firing Nancy Pelosi, and I think you're seeing that across the country. I, I don't know of any swing district, Brian, in America, and there's probably 40 to 50 districts held by Democrats that are truly those coin toss 50-50 districts. Show me one where that incumbent Democrat who votes with Pelosi 100 percent of the time will even invite Nancy Pelosi to their districts because she's so unpopular and her policies are so unpopular, yet that Democrat is voting with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden 100 percent of the time. That's going to be one of the problems that they're facing. It's one of the reasons we're going to win a lot of seats. We've got phenomenal candidates all across the country, you know, people with a lot of different backgrounds, including a lot of folks with military backgrounds and other walks of life who are going to come and help be a part of solving these problems that the Democrats have created in Washington. Bill McGurn, a former speechwriter, now columnist for The Wall Street Journal, was asked over the weekend where this all is heading after the Dobbs ruling, which the, it's, the Republicans seem to have trouble uh, staking out a position, and the Democrats uh, want to take advantage of that, and they seem to, in the polls, cut 44. Now the American people have to decide themselves where to draw the lines and what lines to draw. And I think it's going to take years for this to work out. And and the beauty of it is the people in Louisiana don't have to live by the New York values and the people in New York don't have to live by their values. It's going to reflect what the ordinary citizen thinks. And it's going to force people that haven't had to make a decision or defend their stance do so. So... First off, what do you think about his analysis, and and what is your stance? And look, I'm probably pro-life, and and I think across the country, this thing has been so distorted. You know, they talk about the road decision and the Dobbs decision as if abortion was banned all across America. It's not in New York. Today in New York, they can still kill babies born alive outside the womb and call that abortion. Well, Brian, that's murder. To me, it's murder, but it's legal right now. That should be illegal, but Ultimately, this is going to be something that is going to continue to be heavily debated, and we're a party that defends life, but think about where the Democrats are right now and how far they've changed. Today, their position in D.C. is that abortion should be mandated, legal, all across the country, up until birth, paid for by taxpayers. That's the extreme position, and that's what they've been running on. And so we're going to continue to defend life and point out the fact that in New York today, even after the Roe and Dobbs decision, a baby in New York can still be killed after it's born alive outside the womb and called abortion. That's extreme and crazy. It should be illegal. But ultimately, you know, their base is more fired up right now over this, but our base is fired up, too. I think you're going to see a very uh, active turnout in this election cycle. But still, economic driving issues are the thing that you're seeing front and center with most voters. They're still most angry about what's happening in the economy how much they're paying for things. And that's all on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, which is why I think we're going to win a lot of seats this cycle. Uh, Commitment to America in the name of the program is going to be rolled out in Pittsburgh. It's going to be on Friday. Uh, you got to make it official, right? Uh, unveil your four-part, yeah. uh, four-part plan. So i got to ask you about something else. Joe Manchin evidently yeah. had a separate paper with this mini Build Back Better that was jammed down all of our throats. 
at which time he was going to talk about uh, easing the permitting process, allowing more drilling, drilling and doing a pipeline that would affect West Virginia, among other things. Well, it turns out uh, there's about 70 Democrats in the House and at least Bernie Sanders in the Senate and no Republican commitments to pass this in the Senate. Uh, so here's Joe Manchin on whether Republicans should help him or not. Cut 48. We have to have 60 in, in, the, in the Senate. We only have 50 Democrats. Now, Bernie's not going to vote for it any way, shape, or form. So if we have 45 or 49 Democrats, don't you think there will be at least 15 or more of Republicans? It's the only thing that we have ever done that has a chance to really fight inflation. I hope Democrats and Republicans will come to their senses, Brad. But you're I really need- do. Where do you stand on this, um, uh, Congressman Scalise? Well, if they were serious about permitting reform, why didn't they put it in the bill that raised taxes? You know, it's it's kind of that old, you know, wimpy thing. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. You know, he voted for the tax increases with a promise that they might give him some permitting reform. And by the way, that's milk toast. What we need is real permitting reform, not just for West Virginia, but for the whole country. And that's not even on the table. And you're seeing Democrats in the House already walking away from this saying that wasn't their deal, that was the Senate deal. So Pelosi doesn't even consider this a deal that was made to Joe Manchin. So I don't know if Joe got duped by Schumer or Pelosi, uh, but he voted for the bill, and it was his vote that passed $730 billion in tax increases and 87,000 IRS agents. That's already in the bank. Uh, there's no permitting reform that was on the table that we saw, and it seems like Democrats are walking away with from Joe after they took his vote for the bill that they really wanted. Wow. So you, would you vote for it? I want to see real permitting reform. I haven't seen a bill. The country. They always talk yeah. about these. Well, they always talk about these. Well, there was this deal to Joe Manchin. Okay, show it to us. Was it just a conversation between Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer is an actual bill? Where's the bill? They never showed the actual bill till the the day of the vote. You know, you got to pass it to find out what's in it. I want to see it. Right. You know, and why don't we do it for the whole country? If it's good for West Virginia, great. Let's do it for the whole country and actually start addressing inflation, start addressing yeah. high energy costs it, because they've shut right. down energy production all across America. It blows me away that he would not consult, consider the fact that not many everyone's not going to follow him without when he only has West Virginia in mind. Congressman Steve Scalise. Yeah, if thanks. he's saying, hey, we want, to help, we want to help West Virginia, but not everybody else. But I don't know why all the Republicans won't help me. <laughs> well, how about you help America, not just yourself? Congressman Steve Scalise, always great. Thanks so much, sir. Great to be with you, man. one 408 7669 Let's finish up the hour strong. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. And the capacity for cruelty is a human thing, not a white thing. That's the truth, even though it doesn't jibe with the current narrative. But in today's world, when truth conflicts with narrative, it's the truth that has to apologize. Being woke is like a magic moral time machine where you judge everybody against what you imagine you would have done in 1066 and you always win. presentism. Yeah, this professor is right. It's just a way to congratulate yourself about being better than George Washington because you have a gay friend and he didn't. (laughs) That is awesome. Jane, you're listening in New Jersey. Hey, Jane. Hey, Brian. I have a lot of frustration with the Republican Party 
they should be out in force every day with charts and graphs talking about illegal immigration, about the amount of fentanyl coming across the country, how many people die. They come on these shows and then they, they're like groundhogs. Their heads go back in again. If this was the reverse and this was all happening under Trump, the Democrats would be out every single day hammering him. And even if we take over the House, I don't think the Republicans have the backbone and the stones that are needed to go after the Democrats the way the I, Democrats. I, we'll go see. After I, the I think they. I think that Kevin McCarthy would be tougher than than Paul Ryan. I think Paul Ryan was still trying to deal with the last two years of Barack Obama, and they could never understand Trump. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy to be with you on a Monday. And if you're listening to me to hear more about the Queen, sadly, I'm going to have to ask you to switch stations. Because uh, I am, listen, for two weeks, we've been mourning the Queen, not here. Uh, this is an alternative programming opportunity. Uh, Randy Levine will be with me at the bottom of the hour, the president of the New York Yankees. Why? Of course, you know what's going on. History being made by one of the class acts in sports, six foot seven inch Aaron Judge. Not only is he doing what he's doing in a non-deadball era, the second highest home run record, the second number two on the list in, in the league, I think it's 38 homers. This is like the old days when Ruth was the only one uh, getting close to 60 or 40. So he's, uh, he's got 59. And also, uh, can the Yankees turn it around? We'll see what's going to happen this week. They're playing the Pirates, which are basically a triple-A team. And Congressman Michael Walton studio, if you're smart enough to be watching Fox Nation, you see him. Congressman, let me outline the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They're a disaster in the field. The incompetence of the Russians, which has surpassed what I would have expected. They have simply failed to deliver. Yeah, that is uh, Admiral James Tarvidis. Uh, Steve Winwood would call it. They are winning. Uh, he would sing it, though. Ukraine is winning as Russia is emptying their prisons, firing their generals, and in order to hold on to their illegal gains. Meanwhile, as the land, uh, as they recede from the land, it's revealing a killing field. Thousands of innocent tortured and killed. Uh, we'll discuss it. Number two. Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month is just uh, 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 just an inch. Hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news. It's not, uh, Mr. President. Speaking on 60 Minutes, even with this softball setting, makes him hair-raising statements, leaving his very own future in doubt. We'll break it down. Number one. One of the biggest failures of the rule of law is happening right now at the southern border of the United States. Until last week, no one was really talking much about it. Now, people are concerned about it. Yeah, Governor Ron DeSantis in Green Bay, Wisconsin, not giving interviews but giving speeches. Border brawls. Dems erupt over Martha's Vineyard's migrant drop-off, the VP residence bus stop, and 11 buses arriving in New York this weekend. Finally, people are paying attention. So in that sense, it worked. Uh, Congressman Mike Waltz, welcome. Uh, The guy that used to have your job, Ron DeSantis, now the governor. How do you feel about his maneuver to send... 
uh, these uh, migrants to Martha's Vineyard? You know, I think he's he's speaking to something that Americans always care about, and that's just a sense of fairness, and they hate hypocrisy, right? And, I mean, the fact that the everybody knows, at least everybody who watches Fox or listens to your radio show, none of the other not mainstream media. Not, not Yeah, none of the rest of the mainstream media are cover, covering it. But we all know that this administration right now as we speak has massive contracts, taxpayer-funded contracts with a number of organizations to fly people away from the border all over the country. And they've been doing it for two years now. Zero cooperation with governors. They, and even Democratic and I saw governors. I saw a contributor on uh, – I, I, I hate to throw this out there, but I took a peek at CNN. Oh, I flip uh, around all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, Van Jones was saying, well, but the difference is it's all coordinated. It's part of a process. There's somebody there to you know, receive them and integrate. No, it's not. I can tell you for a fact all of my sheriffs are blindsided. All of our police chiefs are blindsided. Our mayors are blindsided. They've been flying people into Jacksonville, Florida in the middle of the night, and Congress can't get a straight answer at all. Uh, so just in terms of basic transparency, how many people are you flying around? Where are they going once they get there? We don't know. And how long is this going to – is how long it's going to continue and what's it costing the taxpayer? The only difference with Ron DeSantis is he's doing it above board in the middle of the day and shining uh, a spotlight on it. And, you know – not, I'm not, I know your job is not to look at political opportunities for Democrats, but if you were a mayor that cared about your city, this would be an opportunity to take on your party and say, listen, the Mr. President, who, by the way, likes Mayor Adams, uh, you got to do something at the border because right now they're flooding our area with it and saying how wrong it is in Westchester yeah. just because it's New York City at Port Authority is just as wrong in Westchester. And then you do what Mayor Suarez is doing in Miami. Sometimes he takes on DeSantis yeah. and sometimes he, you know, for the most part, he's, he talks about Republicans. He doesn't always go along with Donald Trump, but for the most part, he does. I think that's when people are in this business for people and not for their own political power. Well, you are seeing that, Brian. You're seeing that with mayors in Texas and along the border, Democrat Henry mayors Cuellar. and Henry Cuellar in Congress, which the Democrats threw everything but the but the you know the kitchen to sink twice at, to primary him and take him out. And oh, by the way, and this is really disturbing. Uh, coincidentally, he had an FBI raid right on his home right before his primary. It, I guess that's just a coincidence, I too. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Whatever happened with that? It, and then they said he wasn't the subject but, of an investigation. Yeah, but that's – yeah, I that's, totally that is that. what is just – I mean really has the hair standing up the back of my head. And should every American is they'll do this raid. It's politically – Really conveniently timed and then say, oh, well, it's it's back under investigation. It's back under the cone of silence after the political damage has been done. But he uh, he uh, he survived it. This is Henry Cuellar in the House. And I told him congratulations the other day. He said, hey, I'm getting more congratulations from your party than from mine. By the way, so there are some standing up because they see firsthand this crisis. And now DeSantis and Abbott are going to make the rest of these Democrat mayors see the crisis firsthand. Do you realize Republicans would have gotten that seat? Had the other had yeah. the had his opponent won because there's nobody in that area that wants to see a liberal in that seat. So if we had taken the Democrats' tactics, we would have poured money behind the progressive, absolutely, thinking that we could then get rid of the progressive because that's what obviously they're doing with with Trump aligned candidates. But instead, we're saying, you know what, let's do what's good for the country. Here's cut eight. Here's Henry Cuellar. Right now, we're getting people from Saudi Arabia, China, India, Bangladesh. And, of course, Cuba uh, and uh, Venezuela. 
There are certain folks, you know, the countries that might not accept some of the people, you got to look at the asylum, but most of the people coming in don't apply for asylum. We got to do, as your next guest is going to say, Secretary Jay Johnson, he treated the people with respect. But at the end of the day, he, uh, he enforced the law and he returned mm -hmm. people. And mm -hmm. one of the things that this administration is not doing is they're showing that he showed people going and landing in the countries in Honduras and uh, Salvador to show that there's repercussions. So what he's saying, show the visual of them being expelled. Yeah. If they are being expelled, I don't know, uh, fill up the plane, send them back, show that video. It helps the leaders of their countries keep there. Expand the consulates if you want. Listen, I'm sure these Venezuelans are their first-round draft picks because they don't want to be part of communism. So expand the consulate in Venezuela and also make them apply in the first country they step into. Colombia right. is where they apply. That's where the previous administration was done, and that's what the vice president said was a broken system. Yeah, we could do it in Colombia. We could do it in Panama. We could do it in Mexico yeah. and remain in Mexico. You know, the thing that, that pisses me off, Brian, is, is the vice president saying, well, we're going after the root causes. You know, the root causes Please. to them are pouring – she wants to pour $4 billion back into Central America. Talk to anybody who's operated down there. The drug cartels take a huge cut off the top. The corrupt governments take a huge cut off the top. You do have the to math the on money $4 million. Make sure the money gets spent in the right place. But do the math on that. You're actually empowering these cartels and corrupt governments and making the problem worse. How about this? If we want to talk about root causes, let's incentivize major corporations to pull their manufacturing out of China. And if they can't Absolutely. bring it back here to the United States, let's incentivize it if it's a T-shirt factory or whatever to put it in Central America. Now you're killing two birds with one stone. I mean there's ways to get at root causes. There's a story in The Intercept, which is not something you normally subscribe to, yeah. but I've seen it, that they're yeah. rebuilding the wall. Uh, they're starting to rebuild the wall, and the same contractors that were told sit on the side. That were paid to sit on the side. sit on the side are yeah. being back there. I just keep an eye on it. Have you heard anything about this? Well, we've heard. So they're playing word games. They're repairing the wall. They're providing extensions to the wall. Uh, but they're saying they're not building new sections of the wall. But what do if you you're think? expanding it or repairing it. Well, oh, because who would admit that it does work? Yeah, they would admit that it, yeah. They would admit that it works. We all know it works. And look at Biden. He's putting a wall around his compound in Delaware. Um, Kamala Harris said uh, this. Do you know what's happening in Venezuela right now? There are children there being uh, put on a bus and plane who didn't know where they were going, where they're being sent. Human beings, real people who have fled harm and came to the United States uh, the United States of America for refuge, I think it's the height of irresponsibility. It's a dereliction of duty. Well, look, my, I haven't talked to the governor directly about it, but the lieutenant governor was, was just on air and publicly saying they all signed consent forms. They were all fully informed. Why would you want to go to Martha's Vineyard? I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to Martha's Vineyard? A lot of them wanted to go to where they, where they had relatives in New York and Boston and, and what have you, and, and so they went. At the same time, they're, what they're trying to do, this is about politics in Florida, Brian, because you know obviously they're running somebody against both DeSantis and Marco Rubio, uh, and they're trying to get the Venezuelan population in Florida fired up about right. this and use this as a political wedge. Not going to work because the Venezuelans are in Florida are upset about Biden trying to buy more oil from Maduro and his outreach to the Maduro regime. It's not going to work. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I want to fast forward to, yep. um, to what's going on in the war in Ukraine. 
uh, un- about 3,000 square miles of gain right now. It seems as though uh, fundamentally for a non-strategist when you're a military expert, but it seems like they made it seem like they want to take Kyrgyzstan down in the south, but what they really did, it was a head fake. They put their resources in the north, and they had almost no, uh, uh, no resistance from the Russians who are throwing down their clothes, leaving their equipment, yeah. and running for the hills. So I, I had the opportunity to meet with Zelensky in Kiev uh, about two months ago. He made it very clear they have to get parts of the south back. Uh, Kyrgyzstan is a huge port city just like Odessa. They are still making some gains, And right? they are still making some gains there. But you're right. What the Russians did was reinforce the south at the expense of the northeast, and that's where the Ukrainians have made the gains. The question is can they sustain it? Do they have enough ammunition? Uh, Biden in you know, his 60 Minutes interview is basically saying the Ukrainians uh, are winning. But at the same time, Russia can still turn off gas and is turning off gas to Europe. It's going to send them into an economic crisis this winter. The Europeans still are not stepping up in what they're providing. It's a fraction uh, of what we are, which really just yes, – It's I, just, I just the find Eastern disgusting. Europeans are doing. Yeah, only the Eastern Europeans, only the Poles and Romanians really and maybe uh, to some extent uh, – Why? Czech and Slovakia. <laughs> because they're drunk on Russian oil and gas. But they're going to get it shut off anyway. Yeah. The Russians are making it easy for them. And what they're seeing and what they're going to see this – I know, but they keep hoping against hope. They have this irrational hope that somehow if they're nice enough to Putin – They'll stay in bed. That's why Macron calls him every week, uh, that if they're nice enough that he'll change his mind. Meanwhile, you see Putin and Xi meeting. They're talking about enhanced cooperation and reinvigorating their cooperation. And China's imports of Russian oil and gas are up 50 percent. And what about just India? from last year? What about India? Well, I, you know, look, uh, we, we should I think, be pressuring. India. I think we should be pressuring the heck out of the Indians. I think the Indian relationship is incredibly important for us. But this is unacceptable. They've got to move away from Russia. And Biden this week us. in the U.N. should be loud and clear to both the Indians, the Chinese and the world that Putin is an absolute monster. He's a thug. And you got to stop this, is this he irrational. Speak? Is the president going to speak? The president's going to speak Wednesday. Well, he's going to fly back from the from the funeral in the UK and speak Wednesday. He'll be very sharp. <laughs> uh, by the way, it was very interesting that Vladimir Putin comes out and said the Chinese had questions about the war, and Modi came out in a stunning rebuke. Modi told Putin, "Quote: Today's era is not an era of war." And I've spoken to you on the phone about this. Then followed up, acknowledged Putin that he has had heard concerns and questions about the war. Uh, from the Chinese president. So Modi said that publicly, and then the president saying uh, the president of China is is saying it. I'm, I got concerns about what's happening. Obviously, I'm always looking to see what's behind this public rebuke. Right. But there's nothing good about that from Vladimir Putin's take because there he is. He's out of troops. He's out of commanders because he won't have a draft, emptying the prisons, asking the Wagner group to take the lead yep. or the Chechnyans, yep. and he's losing ground and equipment. So – I could sit there and say, what does he really have up his sleeve? Bottom line, his reality is pretty bad. Yeah, the, so the critical decision Putin has before him is to go to a national mobilization, which he has not done. I, as you said, he's pulling from Siberia. He's pulling from Chechnya. He's pulling from prisons where he's not pulling from are middle-class Russian families in St. Petersburg because and in Moscow. Right? There's a huge risk. That's his base of support. But the other thing that's not getting talked about a lot – is in order for him to go to a national mobilization, he has to declare this a war, not a special military operation. And that kicks off a a whole other uh, level of things. But the industrial military, the military industrial base for Russia is absolutely struggling. And China is stepping in 
to help them on the economic uh, and on the things with like computer chips, uh, critical minerals. I, I just mentioned they were buying up the Russian oil and gas. We're not you know seeing that, military. Do they make this public? We're seeing that. We're seeing that in a number of uh, of reporting. Congressman, stay right here. We've got a few more minutes with you. In the bottom of the hour, we'll, we'll welcome in the president of the Yankees. Um, and I know you have a lot of expertise, but I don't know baseball. And if you don't mind, <laughs> I'd have to take his expertise on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You please. understand? Yeah. All right. Uh, more with the Congressman Michael Waltz, WOKV. Very familiar with him. Don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right, uh, Congressman Michael Waltz. (laughs) <laughs> well, he does, this is about the fourth time he's done this and the fourth time Jen Psaki and now the White House formally yeah. walked it back before it aired. Yeah, what do that's, you take? That, well, that's when the, the, the foreign policy establishment elite in Washington, D.C. has to what do we you know, ha, has to, has to go uh, clean up on aisle six. Right? Well, is it a cleanup? Look, What's the policy? I actually Who's think the president? so. The current policy is one of ambiguity. Whether we will or won't defend Taiwan, we leave it up in the air. And I think that made sense for many years because what we didn't want uh, then was for the Taiwanese then to say, hey, the Americans are with us 100 percent. We're going to independence and precipitate a crisis. Now I believe it's different under Z. Z is telling his country to prepare for war. He's told his military to be ready by 2027, if not sooner, to defeat our military if we try to intervene. Uh, and he's talking about being the world superpower, not a superpower, the superpower. So I think we need to shift, which it seems like the president's instri- instincts are heading that direction, to one of deterrence. Uh, and only if China looks at it and says this is going to be too hard, too expensive, and threaten Xi's rule well, will he not do it. And I don't have to tell you this. Then do something about recruiting and forget the whole vax mandate and start building up and start defense. arming Taiwan and so and replenishing it's, our stocks, as you've right. told me. That's right. Right. Instead, what he he's proposed these massive defense cuts, which you when you take into account inflation, we're going backwards. You just had a report come out today from a very respected uh, think tank saying the U.S. Air Force may not be able to stand toe-to-toe with the Chinese Air Force anymore right. because they've stolen all of our stealth technology, not to mention the fact that the Chinese Navy is now larger than the U.S. Navy, and they can concentrate all their ships in one ocean. But I want to say very quickly, uh, Brian, why does Taiwan matter? Half the world's shipping flows through the Taiwanese Straits, all of the computer chips. It's a critical, critical economy. Yeah, that would be an ally with chips. Without that, we'd have to depend on China almost solely, which That's right. is unacceptable. But don't worry, we have one plan coming back. Congressman Mike Waltz, thank you. Radio that makes you think. 
This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The reality is that in many of those head-to-head matchup polls, other Republicans do beat Joe Biden. And I think the reality is, and we head to the midterms, if this is a referendum on Joe Biden and the fact that there's crime rise in America, there's a border crisis we've already discussed, there's a recession that we're getting deeper into, then I think Republicans will do great. If instead we're talking about Mar-a-Lago or the events around January 6th, it's a distraction. And I think that it does damage Republican chances in the midterms. That's true. And that is Mark Short, who is a, a former chief of staff of the vice president of the United States, Obviously being very critical of the president, uh, President Trump, because uh, they're pretty much at war with the vice president over how everything was handled on January 6th. But for the most part, if everyone's talking about Mar-a-Lago, it's a gift to Joe Biden. If everybody is uh, talking about uh, Donald Trump and uh, different legal cases, it's a gift to Joe Biden. With the, with the biggest thing you could do to make Joe Biden defend his record himself and others. I mean, Jared Bernstein, these other guys can spin it off and say, look at the unemployment, look at the deficit going down. Well, unemployment was always down. For the most part, the bigger story is how many 11 million jobs are open and 7 million people are out of work. How does that work? What the biggest problem is in almost every industry, there's not enough people there to work. That is the bigger story. But if I'm Jared Bernstein, who's an economist working for the government, I'm bringing that up. Another thing to, to bring up with with President Biden, he keeps on talking about the deficit being cut. Well, the deficit is being cut for one great reason. The pandemic is over. To two weeks to stop the spread ended up being two years. And now that we stopped the re- radical spending, the deficit goes down year to year, but not overall. Overall, the spending is way up because every one of his programs outside the guns revolves spending. Although you could even say the spending are incentives for states to take on uh, these um, you know, some of these rules and regulations, but not demanding that allows them, um, you know, allows them to participate in some type of gun reduction or some type of gun control. So that's the story. I thought Mark Shore was brilliant because you had every uh, Sunday show outside Shannon Bream's show uh, just talking about how in- inhumane it is for these Republican governors to send uh, in air-conditioned buses and planes these uh, illegal immigrants. So they cross the border, they walk through the jungle, they pay uh, human traffickers, they get to the border, and you're upset about an air-conditioned bus ride to an elite area of this world or to the vice president's stoop? I'm pretty sure that's not inhumane. And it's not just because they're children. It's whoever comes one comes all. All of them were told they're voluntarily, and who knows what they, what they might have misinterpreted through any language barrier. But in terms of the reality at the border, Henry Cuellar, right on message again. He did not like the shipping of people. Okay, fine. But listen to what he says after. Cut seven. We need solutions and not theater. Uh, by sending off uh, folks off to uh, New York and Chicago, it does bring attention. But I, we want to focus more on solutions on the border. We got to give Border Patrol, we got to give ICE, Homeland Security, the equipment, the, you know, the making sure they have everything where they can enforce the law. Because if we don't have repercussions at the border, we're going to continue getting 8,000 people a day. And let me mention one more thing, Margaret. You know, they, they might get two buses uh, a day uh, in some of those cities. Just for my hometown of Laredo, we're sending out 21 to 26 buses a day yeah. out of Laredo just to give you an idea of what's happening here. So can you imagine being in a border city in Arizona uh, or, or 
Texas and knowing that the people coming across actually outstrip the number of people in your town in particular. And you have people calling you up saying, I'm afraid to leave my house. You have migrants destroying my property, sleeping on my lawn. And then when you have Martha's Vineyard residents who haven't had to look at their bank account in years because they're so ridiculously wealthy, and they're upset about 60 that come here, people in tears, and they quickly ship them out in a matter of, I think, 24 hours to a military base, and they're complaining. That's what Mark Short brought up. Cut 14. This is highlighting the hypocrisy, and I think in many cases fake outrage by those on the left and some in the media. The migrants in Florida, they're not arriving on the shores of Florida. They're not walking across the Florida-Georgia line. They're being flown in by the Biden administration. So somehow it's okay to fly them across the interior of the United States, everywhere across the United States, but it's wrong for the governor to then send them to one of the wealthiest communities in America. Right. How does that make any sense? That's the logic of it. And would you have as Mark Shore and others, maybe one person there saying, have you been watching anything besides CNN talking about Mar-a-Lago? Do you understand what's happening at the border, the fact that we are totally overwhelmed, that the Border Patrol is off the border? They're just taking care and processing people, changing diapers and giving out uh, play toys to children because they have to leave the border and their job? There's nobody that sits behind a desk anymore. They just take intake. They give these people uh, warrants to come back. When they don't show up, there's no ramification because they don't have the money. ICE has been defamed. This is all part of a process or flat-out negligence. And when you sit there and say it's inhumane, mission accomplished. You are talking about it. That's how low our demand is. You see a thing falling apart, and that is security of the border. No one will even cover it or pay attention to it. So what you got to do is actually ship the problem literally to their doorstep. Word is they're going to be coming to Delaware soon, and more are going to Mar-a-Lago. So they're going to be going to these cities and to these areas. Then people say it's cruel. No. It's time to get a hold of this situation. Understand it's a 50-state problem. But until you see the reality of it and see the it's uh, destroying other people's lives besides the, the people of Texas' lives, and I think it's a risk. You know, it was brought up, Carl Rove brought it up before, that, you know, some of these people are Venezuelan or Cuban. And in the Cuban-Venezuelan community, which has so much to make up of the fabric of, of Florida, and your governor, it might look to people who listen to propaganda that you're being cruel to those people from those separate countries. Yeah, you are fleeing, and more than likely, uh, you're on the run for a reason. You want a better life, and maybe you're a political prisoner and got out, or or you've been throttled or in a prison and you're free, whatever it is. You're running from a communist country, and you want a degree of freedom. Maybe you have some people here. So what we got to do is you have to apply in the first country that you get to. It's not, almost never ours. There is a situation in Florida where if you're a Cuban, you sit on land, you get to stay. That's already said. I don't think that's been rescinded. If that's still in play, that's been in play. Got it. But for the others, if you get to a country, if you're leaving Bolivia, the first country you get to, you apply then. And that was a degree of order at the border, which this administration says the other administration actually broke. Really? Listen to Dick Durbin, Cut 11. I've been to the Salvation Army Rescue Center in Chicago, and I've met with the people who came off the buses. I sat down with one of the families and they told me the story. It is pathetic that these governors are taking advantage of these helpless people, making promises to them to get on the bus and life is just going to be fine. And off they go to places far removed from where they're supposed to be appearing under the requirements of our law in a matter of weeks and months. So he's jeopardizing their stay in the United States when they make each governor makes this decision. 
Okay. Senator Dick Durbin knows better. Uh, he used to understand it. We get cuts from him talking about the need to build a wall. Same thing with Chuck Schumer. Same thing with Harry Reid, now dead. So they all know the difference, but they think they can sit there and play on the families and say they've been abused and take a minority. They think they can get the Hispanic vote back. The Hispanic vote in the South has shifted predominantly to Republicans to the point it's almost a dead heat. The ones in the North don't really know what's going on at the board and the abuse that's taking place. And therefore, uh, that still remains heavily uh, in the Democratic's corner. But you will see it, I believe, in this next uh, in this next election. Jay Johnson. Uh, Homeland Security Secretary, cut 13. He is breaking this up out of whole, making this up out of whole cloth, at least in his initial assessment, cut 13. Information, illegal immigration is an information-sensitive phenomenon. It reacts sharply to information in the marketplace about perceived changes in enforcement policy on our southern border. Mm -hmm. Uh, This administration, I believe, unfairly, is perceived as as lax on border enforcement. In fact, uh, we are sending back over 100,000 people a month and have been for the last two years, over 2 million people. The lesson I learned managing this issue is you've got to repeat yourself maybe 25 times before anybody will listen to you. You have to show that we are, in fact, sending people back. So that's a little what Crayol was saying. I would like to see the 100,000. I mean, they report that they send them back single males. Every time I see a bus uh, getting off in D.C. or New York or Chicago, it's single males. So I don't know what they're talking about sending them back. I, I would love to see maybe a, tech, a Mexican town that's feel, felt the effects of all these uh, uh, returning illegal immigrants. All right. I'd love to see that because that might be getting that might get Mexico to enforce their border because they don't want to deal with the lagging indicator, which is those who cross and come back. I've not seen that. Now listen to this. This is the impact of the Hispanic vote. Republicans are performing best with Hispanic voters who live in the South, a region that includes Florida and Texas. Now, in the South, 46% of Latino voters say they plan to vote for Democrats, while 45% say they plan to vote for Republicans. That's unbelievably great. That's like George Bush great. That's when it was equally perceived that both parties were for the Hispanic culture, when they're naturally Republicans. By contrast, Democrats have a 62-24 advantage among Hispanic voters in other parts of the country. We'll see how that plays out. Because for the most part, you would think it would be the other way. When you see what you think were people, Hispanics being told to go back home, those, those people that are coming here illegally, take off the people that got here legally. That's what's playing out in the numbers. So we'll talk about that when we come back. one 866 And we'll find out if there's more to know. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The way people talk about slavery these days, you'd think it was a uniquely American thing that we invented in 1619. But slavery throughout history has been the rule, not the exception. The Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Greeks, Romans, the Arabs, British, the early Americans, all the way up through R. Kelly. Who do you think gathered the slaves from the interior of Africa to sell to slave traders? Africans. 
who also kept their own slaves. We're a species prone to making others of our species our bitch. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Humans are not good people. Well, I don't know if I agree with the last part, but that's the cynical Bill Maher. But he's 100% right. I've been saying it over and over again. And the people who wrote 1620, which was the answer to the 1619 Project, and others who have done studies on the 1619 Project, including some contributors who said, I saw your final product. You've got to fix this. It doesn't work. Like, for example, the Revolutionary War was fought over slavery. Are you nuts? It had nothing to do with slavery because the British got rid of their slaves prior to the Revolution, but they kept all their slavery in all their colonies one of which was us. So what they were doing is offering slaves uh, their freedom if they would fight against us. That's what brought it up. But when you say things that are blatantly untrue, it makes other things that would, or turn out to be true, uh, makes people uh, distrustful of it, obviously. So Bill Moore making so much sense. When he does, I'll share it with you because it's who he, it, it's not exactly Sean Hannity saying it, who we all believe and uh, understand that he understands the truth. We did. I did not know that Bill Maher felt the way he did about these things, but it makes me feel like the country is not lost. So let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. All right, here we go. Uh, let's talk about football and controversy, but not on the field. The University of Oregon is apologizing for offensive and disgraceful behavior in an anti-Mormon chant during the BYU-Oregon game. Let's listen. The Mormons! The Mormons! Yeah, you might want to, if you want to say something, keep it about the school, not about the religion in which the school thrives on. The University of Oregon has issued an apology after this footage show was showed. It sounded like about 20 people. The clip led to outrage from Utah Governor Spencer Cox, who condemned the chant in a retweet of the video that claimed religious bigotry is alive and celebrated in Oregon. BYU is a private university in Utah, sponsored by the Church of uh, Christ of Latter-day Saints, whose members are known as Mormons. The college kids acting like idiots. I don't think we should make the big a deal. Hopefully they learned their lesson, Yeah, the school right? apologized. You know, move on. Next. Just 30% of dogs always respond to their name compared to 52% that jump up for the word treat. Did you know this, Eric uh, or Pete? Would you have, does this catch you by surprise? Did you almost think about you want to redo the study? I, you know, when I had a dog... And I'd say you, you know, you want to treat dog would, you know, freak out in a good way. But then if you just saw, I, I, if you would say, hey, you want a he, and it would do the same exact thing. I guess it would just hear like a syllable. Like they don't know T's. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yep. Uh, Two thousand dog owners were surveyed. Forty-seven percent say that their dogs react instinctively to the noise made when a tree container is open, which is true. Fifty-two uh, percent of dogs refuse to answer the question, which I thought it shows bad training. Yeah, they're terrible from their ownership. Now, if your dogs were surveyed or given right. something in the mail to fill out, would you let them fill it out? Never. Uh, treating our dogs to a treat for ourselves, too. Overall, 64% say they look to their dogs to make them feel better on bad days. All right. Uh, hopefully, dogs are getting paid well for this. I do have three dogs, and mostly, for the most part, I work for them. Next, the Strong National Museum of Play announced this year's finalists for the National Toy Hall of Fame, including Bingo... Briar horses, what are they? Light bright. Light bright is still entertaining people. Yeah. Uh, Catan and Masters of the Universe. Um, okay. Uh, number six is Nerf toys. It's unbelievable, Nerf toys. They came you had up Nerf with toys when you were young. It's sponge. Yeah. It's sponge. But you, it's you can make sponge. them into, you know, you can shoot them at people. If a you pinata? Have a round have, is anyone block. working on new toys? 
We're still working on pinatas, light bright. We, I apologize to this generation. We should have moved past this. It's like the people were churning butter. We came up with a few uh, games to pass the time, and we've never improved on it. What about uh, Milton Bradley? Is it, are they doing anything different? Uh, Racco. Classics. Listen to this. The Spirograph. It, we're still doing the Spirograph? We're doing what? every. I mean, you were asking about what? The uh, Briar's Horse? I have actually have the information. Okay, for this. It. Wait a second. This is wrong. These aren't new. These oh, are so just it's the great. Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Hall of Fame. I thought so they were new classic. toys. That's why right. Nerf is a classic. Right. Uh, pound Puppies? What's that? Pound puppies were stuffed animals, but they were dogs. And what you do is when you buy them, because my sister had them, you, you buy them, and they actually come with a name, and you can adopt them. You fill out the paperwork, and How's then they become yours. Adopt a dog? Yeah. Tell a four-year-old we're going to the pound to get a dog? <laughs> to get a stuffed animal instead. Wow. How would your family have felt that said, you know, instead of Ro- you bring home Rocky and Apollo, but they were stuffed animals? Right. And plus, we always, we always go to breeders. I don't really go to the pound because I do need to know the background. Because I need to answer this question: uh, That is it okay to pet your dog? I need to know a yes or no. So if you I give have the a dog something dog, to fill out, you give yeah. them a questionnaire, and if they fill it out properly, you'll yeah. adopt them. Next, uh, ease up on the gym. Intense workouts can impact your memory performance. Studies continue to conclude that exercise is good uh, for the body, brain, and well-being. However, researchers from Dartmouth are showing the true complexity of the relationship between exercise, memory, and mental health. Their study finds the impact of exercise is much more nuanced. It's different exercise intensity over a long period of time results in different memory and mental health outcomes. They said 113 Fitbit users and asked each person to perform a series of memory tests, answering the same questions about their mental health and share their fitness data. Researchers expected more active participants to have a stronger memory and display better mental health, but the results were not that simple. So this is surprising. But I, I think they're talking about like bodybuilders. I think the average person on an elliptical... You'll be okay. Don't use that as an excuse to stop working out. I know you. Listen, go to BrianKillMe.com. I want to see you in person, KRMG uh, listeners especially, over in Oklahoma, November 12th, and on the uh, on November 13th and November 12th in Brandon, Mississippi. Yes, go, let's go to Brandon, Mississippi. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.